0: Hello, my name is Maiwa, and welcome to Maiwa and Conversation, a podcast that aims to explore the unique perspectives of Africans. This season, I have conversations with Nigerians that are making an impact by disrupting societal and cultural norms, fighting against injustices, creating new paths and platforms, and who are showing that there are in fact limitless possibilities on the continent. On this episode, I'm talking to Tiwalala Ogunlesi, confidence coach, self love activist, inspirational speaker, and founder of Confidence and Killing It. The central purpose of her company is, and I quote, to wake women up to their worth so they may be confident, unstoppable, and dare to live the life they truly desire. Through talks, workshops, coaching, and a fantastic podcast, Tiwalola challenges the world to create a new reality where self-love and confidence are the norm and not the exception. Thank you
1: for joining me today, Tiwa. Thanks for having me, Maya. So glad to be here.
0: I remember watching an interview with you and Jamila Jamil, and you shared that a part of the inspiration for starting Confident and Killing It was being a youth leader at church and finding that a room full of women all wanted the same thing. And that was to be confident and to love themselves. Why do you think even with all the milestones women have accomplished, we still see this culture that promotes self-loathing and self-doubt specifically in women?
1: So I think capitalism actually feeds off women's insecurities So if you think about it, the more women don't feel good enough, the more they feel unworthy, the the more they crave things that society has taught them to make them feel worthy enough. So if you look at the language being used in a lot of the advertisement targeted at women, right, it's like, Mm. oh, this lipstick, then you'll be confident or use this perfume. Then men will find you attractive or, you know, use this shampoo and then your hair will look like this. And then you'll be the most productive you've ever been in your life. Those type of messages. So women are constantly getting messages that they need to acquire material things to be good enough. Mm -hmm. And then the catch is that Being good enough is a mindset. It's a belief. It has nothing to do with how much money you have, what job you have, where you come from, what you look like. So we go out buying all of these things, hoping they bring us fulfillment when in reality, they don't actually do that. So, um, yeah, that's why I think there seems to be a generational cycle of low self-esteem in women because the media and society, even the films that we watch, right. Growing up Mm. in all the movies I watched, it was always the blonde, tall, skinny woman that was the most attractive, you know, and the black girls always the outsider. She always hated her hair or something, you know? So a lot of the times the media we consume are teaching us about ourselves and sending us subliminal messages about what's attractive in society and what's not. And what they show as attractive is often far from the norm. Mm -hmm. And so majority of women start looking at themselves and they're like, oh, I don't look like this. That means there must be something wrong with me. And that just isn't true.
0: You're 100% correct because Last night, so I have acne prone skin and I was looking myself in the mirror and I just kept thinking there's this imperfection and there's this and there's this. And, you know, I've bought all the products and I mean, they're working to varying degrees, but I just kept feeling like maybe if I buy this thing, it'll make it feel better. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm not healthy enough. Maybe I don't, I don't know, disinfect my phone enough. You know, I just feel like there were all these things that somehow, reflected on how I was doing something wrong or maybe I wasn't caring for myself. But all these things I was thinking either meant I had to go out and spend money or were detrimental to my own feeling of just beauty and self-worth. And I realized that a lot of that also had to do with social media and Instagram and also on influencers, which for me was kind of hard to admit because a lot of influencers I find quite empowering, but at the same time, it's the job of the influencer to sell you things. Do you think this new rise of influencers and influencer culture and curating, you know, your life and having a personal brand, do you think that also feeds into this self-loathing?
1: Um, I think, you know, like there's a good and bad side to everything. Right. Mm. And I think it's, Not the job. Well, it's, it's a two, it's kind of like the two have to work together, right? So as an influencer, it is your duty to be authentic Mm. and it is your duty to, because people are always going to sell you things, right? So whether it's an influencer or it's the ads on YouTube, you know. People are always going to sell you things. So if you're an influencer and you're selling stuff and reviewing products, it is your duty to live an authentic life and not only show the perfect times um, and present yourself as an actual human being. So that's one side. And then on the other side, if you're a consumer, it is your duty to do the work to make sure you do not fall into the comparison trap. Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to blame influencers for creating this culture but we as individuals also need to get better at discovering our own worth and our own strengths and our own gifts because when you have a greater awareness of yourself and you know who you are and you love who you are it doesn't matter if somebody's selling flat tummy tea on your on your feed because you don't your worth isn't based in that. Mm. So I think we have to do the work ourselves to start our self-love journey and love and believe in ourselves. But influencers also have a job to be authentic. And, you know, on my Instagram page, I make sure that I'm not just showing all my perfect confident moments because I never want people to look at me and be like, Oh, she's so confident. Um, she must never feel insecure. That's not true. I have my own fair share of insecurities. So I talk about my wins and my losses. my losses. I talk about my, the, my beauty in my strengths and the beauty in my struggles Mm. because That is what makes me human. So being an influencer isn't meant to be that you present yourself as this perfect God on Instagram. No, you are meant to be human and embrace all that humanity has to offer. And I think when the dial or the weights go from, oh, I need to look a certain way and be a certain way. When we play into that game, that's when social media becomes really destructive. But if people decided to always show up as their true authentic self, then I think it's a really powerful tool.
0: And you talked about this idea of doing the work, both for influencers, doing the work in terms of trying to be as authentic as possible you know, no matter how hard that might be. And also as consumers and people who are not just consuming material things, but also, you know, internalizing and consuming content, doing the work as well. Um, And I want to link that to this idea that your worth is intrinsic. And I think this is something that you talk about a lot that really resonates with me. How do you propose that women start really internalizing this message? Because as hard as I try there are still days where I let all these different markers define my worth?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. So the first thing to know is that, like I said, you're not always going to feel 100% 100 of the time. There are days where you will feel super confident and there will be days where your negative thoughts get the best of you and you you just want to crawl up into a ball and feel sorry for yourself. Both are normal. I've done the same. There have been days where I've been sat on my bed crying, drinking wine, feeling sorry for myself. I'm human. Okay. So first things first is to understand that your identity is different to your emotions. So just because you might feel down or you might feel insecure or you might feel like a failure does not mean that who you are is a failure. Like I am versus I feel. Two very different things. So, the first step is to really differentiate your feelings, which are temporary, which will go up and down, up and up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, versus your worth, which is constant. Now, that is also a mindset where you have to believe that no matter what happens to you in life, you have and will always have worth. Mm. And that's a choice. Tr- you have to make to believe every single day, every single day that like you have, I will always have worth, and your worth does not depend on external things. Your worth is intrinsic. It, you know, like, and that is true for every single human being on the planet, but some people really struggle to believe that because of all these external messages but it's actually a choice you have to make we decide to believe things that we have no idea whether they're true or not so for example um it's a bit of a morbid example but it it does make for a strong point Mm. so you know whenever i ask people like how long do you think you're gonna live till Everyone always goes into the 80s, 90s. Somebody even told me like 105 one time, right? Okay. (laughs) No one ever goes, oh yeah, I'm going to die next year. No one ever does that. Yeah. We believe that we are going to live till we are old. But at the same time, death is the most uncertain thing. If there's one thing we do not know, it's when we're going to die. For sure. That we know for sure. Mm -hmm. Nobody has any idea when they're going to die. But yet we choose to believe that we are going to live till we're old. And if anyone tries to come to you to say, Oh my, well, like, well, how, who do you think you are to think you're going to live till you're 80? You would be like, are you crazy? Right. You would like defend yourself. Right. Yeah. So it's the same thing. You actually have no idea how long you're going to live till, but you choose to believe with your whole heart that you are going to live till you're old but you actually have no idea. And so it's the same thing. You might not feel worthy, but if you make a choice to believe that your worth is intrinsic and nothing can take it away from you, you have the power of choice to believe that and make that a reality for yourself. So I think... We, throughout history, we've always picked and choosed like what beliefs we want and we have to get more mindful about this. Are you picking beliefs that disempower you, that hold you back, or are you picking beliefs that empower you and move you forward? Mm-hmm. So when I started my self-love journey, I had to take a take of all my beliefs. And I looked at them, you know, all the limiting ones. Oh, I used to think I'm not skinny enough. um, I'm not talented enough. um, Nobody really likes me. All of these things I used to think. And I had to ask myself, thinking I'm not talented enough, does this in any way serve me in life? No, it doesn't. So if that's a lie, what is the truth? And I had to then create my own truth. And the truth is that I am gifted, I am talented, and I have multiple examples of when I have shown that I have talent. So you got to look at the facts. What are the facts about who you are? The fact is that you are worthy. That's facts. Now you can decide to believe that or not. That's on you. And if you don't want to believe that you're worthy and you want to keep believing that because somebody said something to you when you were seven years old and that made this happen and that made that happen, that is a choice you are making not to believe in your worth. And no one can force you to believe in your worth. As a coach, what I do is give people options. So yes, you might be thinking you're not worthy, but here is another choice that you can make. Here's another option of what your life can mean. Which one do you want to pick?
0: I love your emphasis on ownership and, you know, taking ownership for any feeling of, of self-loathing and again, putting in place these affirmations and, and forcing yourself to believe these positive things. And it reminds me a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy, which I've had before. Um, And this idea of just breaking down an emotion you might have or a feeling you might have that maybe you're useless or you're going to be bad at this job. And also kind of fundamentally asking yourself does this serve me i'm about to start this job tomorrow or next week and i've told myself that i'm terrible mm-hmm. does this serve me and is this actually going to help me get the job done and the answer is no and then when you come to that realization you're able to kind of like step back a little bit and tell yourself things that will actually be helpful like I actually got this job because I filled out an application, did the assessment test and did well in the interview,
1: Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I feel
0: like in Nigeria specifically amongst women, there is a heightened sense of, I don't know if self-loathing is too extreme a word, but I think a lot of the time in Nigerian society, there are all these markers that define who is a good woman or you know, who is a successful woman and a lot of it has to do with marriage and then going beyond marriage. What does your husband do and how much money does he make? And do you cook? And are you a good Christian woman? Do you think that there is a confidence crisis amongst women in Nigeria that have to do with these external markers that are often equated with worth?
1: Um, Absolutely. And it's not just Nigeria, actually. It's all over the world. That good woman, good wife narrative is everywhere in every single culture. And it's been, it's a, it's a product of patriarchy. And as long as women don't know who they are, as long as women are living in autopilot, they are not in touch with their true power. And when women are not in touch with their true power, they don't go after the life that they truly want to live. And instead they settle for what society has deemed as what, who a good woman is and how a good woman should live. But the thing is, society, your, like your life is your responsibility. Society can create the rules, but you get to decide which rules serve you and which rules don't. So yes, there is a big issue in Nigeria because of how ingrained we are in terms of culture and things like that. But we need to shake the culture up. Like people always say, it's the people that make the culture, not the culture that makes the people. So as women, and I, I've been seeing a lot of this lately, women are deciding enough is enough mm. and they are doing what they want to do. And, you know, they're not letting men get in the way or a husband says, Oh, I don't want you working, you know, cause you need to do this and that. Like women are getting more confident actually in going after what they want, but it's still a really, really big problem. Yes.
0: You've spoken a lot about creating and practicing strategies to build confidence. And again, this speaks to this idea that, you know, your life is in your hands and you have to actively do things to seek this, this feeling of self-worth. In your experience, what are the best strategies women can put in place in order to reinforce this understanding of worth as intrinsic, something that's an everyday practice?
1: Yeah. So the first thing is your mindset. So first things first, are you going to make the choice to at least try to believe that your worth is intrinsic and it does not depend on all these external things? If the answer is yes, and you want that mindset and you want that way of life, then we can carry on. So if that's what you actually want for yourself, then the next question is, okay, are you awake To who you are. Are you awake to your inner resources? Because a lot of women are on autopilot. And so my job a lot of the times is just to wake people up to the greatness that's already within them. How do you do that? By identifying your strengths. Your strengths form the foundation of your positive thinking. Your strengths form the foundation of, you know, your self-love journey, how you see yourself. Um, and so. Knowing what are you good at doing? What comes natural to you? What do people praise you and compliment you for? Uh, What are some moments you've been proud of yourself? What strengths did you demonstrate in those times? When have you been resilient? It's so important to know when you have demonstrated your strengths and what your strengths actually are. So when the fear and the insecurity comes, you have something to say back to it. That's really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. A lot of the time when people, uh, when negative thoughts come into people's minds, they just accept it and they keep quiet. Like, oh, for the longest time, my mind told me I wasn't talented. I had no gifts. I had no talents. And I just said, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so true. I have no gifts. I have no talents. The end. And I believed it. But you cannot let negative thoughts come into your mind and throw a party. You have to challenge your negative thoughts. Now, if you don't know anything good about yourself, if you don't know what your strengths are, if you don't know what you love about yourself, when your negative thoughts come, you have nothing to say back to it think about it like having an argument with someone and they're standing there abusing you do you just sit and look at them or do you defend yourself and say something back Mm. so we need to learn to defend ourselves and we defend ourselves and be our own cheerleaders by knowing our strengths and when the negative thoughts come in immediately should trigger okay that's a lie I am gifted. I am talented. And a time where I showed my talent was, you know, when I put myself forward for a talent show competition and I won the best dancer, da, da, da. Like, you know, those sorts of things. So all our good, happy, fun memories, we tend to just shove them to the back of our minds. And all the fearful, embarrassing moments we play over and over and over again. Now this is natural because we have negativity bias and that means we remember negative things more than we remember positive things. So a lot of the times we actually have to reprogram our minds for success. And one of my favorite quotes is she knew the power of her mind. So she programmed it for success. That was my biggest awakening that I had the power over my mind and I could program my mind to work for me rather than against me. How do you program your mind by knowing your strengths? by knowing the positive things about you. And every time the negative thought comes up, acknowledge it, articulate what's going on, and then say something back, say something positive. Because your mind is a battlefield. Your positive and negative thoughts are always gonna be fighting for your attention. Now, when you know you're in a battle and you want to win, you have to equip yourself with the tools. And I always say, um, confidence is a practice. If you do it, you build the muscle. If you don't do it, you don't get confident. So don't beat yourself down about not being confident if you've never done the practical things to actually be strategic about your confidence. And that's how you get closer to your worth and things like that, by getting strategic with your confidence building because your mind is a battlefield and your negative thoughts are always ready to bring you down. So you need to do the work to build up your positive thoughts um, and get good at challenging the negativity when it arises.
0: I love the idea of confidence as a practice, Mm -hmm. because I think whenever you, you frame something as a practice, it becomes clear that it's something, it's something you work towards every single day. Yes. And I think for me, that's one of the things I love about yoga, this idea that it's a practice. It's not something, there's no final destination. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some days where you're hitting all these poses and you just feel amazing. And there are other days where the most, you know, the most basic, yoga pose just isn't working yeah. but because I think of it as a practice I know that this is all part of part of that journey and I've never I've never thought of self love and confidence in that way mm. I think for me I've always had moments of of extreme confidence moments of like extreme self love mm-hmm. and then I just take it as something that happens in moments but for the rest of the day I'm just my regular shmegular blah self Mm. as opposed to looking at it as something that is a practice. So every single day and everything I do, something that needs to be, you know, building my confidence is something that I need to do all the time. Absolutely. And I think in the Nigerian context, sometimes just as a woman, as a young woman, just speaking my mind is that confidence boost I needed that day, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and and knowing that I didn't just take something or I didn't just hear something I fundamentally disagreed with and, you know, went on with my day. And that brings me to this point of being a difficult woman, being a stubborn woman. Have you been called this? Because I know I have. And do you see any value in women kind of proudly saying, yes, I am a difficult woman,
1: Absolutely. So I don't think I've been called difficult, but I've definitely been called bossy and, you know, the usual things. Um, And yes, we should all be difficult women. Absolutely. Because difficult women get shit done. Um, And, you know, difficult women have changed the world because they've decided I'm not going to put up with this. And so society wants nothing more than for them to, do whatever and say whatever and for everyone else to just accept it as the norm because then they get away with so much. So, and when I say I mean I mean like the people in power. Mm. And that's another problem I really have with Nigeria. Our politicians get away with so much. Mm. And I don't want to go into all of that drama right now, but it's just like how do you cut a health budget in the middle of a global pandemic?
0: pandemic? Yeah.
1: And no one says any, okay, we'll shout on Twitter for like an hour and then it's done. So that's what they love. They want to be able to do things and nobody says anything. They're not being held accountable. So yes, we absolutely need to be difficult women because we should set boundaries and not stand down when our voice is important women's voices have changed the world. One woman deciding to take action and saying enough is enough has changed the world. And the only way we're going to see progress is if people who want to see change and positive, you know, change in society need to be as loud and even louder than the people who are pushing messages of hate and fear and, and destruction and things like that. So, You will get called a difficult woman when you don't go on autopilot, like how society wants you to go and you're awake to what's really going on and you make different choices. And yeah, that's where we all need to be. We need a collective awakening and being a difficult woman is, is an essential part of that.
0: And now shifting focus to you and your journey and how you'd advise women who look up to you and aspire to, a similar career and career trajectory how did you overcome your fears and insecurities when starting Confidence and Killing It which I mean is a business and starting a business is no joke
1: yeah that is very true it is no joke at all um so similar to all the points I shared earlier so the thing about me is I always share from a place of experience so All the tips that I share around building confidence, I have used myself because I was a very insecure teenager and my mind was a mess. And I started my self-love journey when I was 21 and all the process I did there, I shared it with people because I woke up. And I woke up and it turned my life around and I had access to so much love and joy and freedom and drive and ambition that I didn't have access to before. And so I made it my mission to wake women up as well so that they can step over to the other side of ultimate, like being unapologetic, loving themselves fully and hopefully um, because that's really important. So with Confident and Killing It, I had to do my work on my strengths. I had to look in the mirror every single day and tell myself Tiwa, I love you because I hated my skin as well. And that was a big insecurity for me. So when I filmed my first ever video to post on Instagram, my negative thoughts just came in on overdrive. Like your skin isn't good enough to be on camera. Who do you think you are? You haven't watched enough Oprah videos to be doing this. People are going to laugh at you. This is so cringe. Oh, are you a motivational speaker now? You know, Mm. all of this came and I was literally holding my phone, trying to press send on this video so it it could upload. And my negative thoughts are bashing me left, right, and center, trying to make sure I do not post this video. Now, because I had gone on the journey myself, I was able to challenge the negative thoughts, which is what I explained earlier. Mm. And I said, you know, the message in me is more important than the fear I feel
0: Mm.
1: because a lot of the times we go into the future to think of the worst possible outcome. I hadn't even posted that video yet, but my mind was already telling me what if people laugh? What if people don't like this? What if people judge you? I hadn't even posted the video yet. So what if people laugh is not a certainty. It's an assumption I'm making and a negative one at that. So, okay, what if people are, but what if they don't? What if this is the video that changes somebody's life? How about that? So every time my fear tried to tell me what if this went wrong? What if that went wrong? What if this happened? What if that happened? I would come with my comeback and say, okay, but what if I was successful? Mm. What if this really helped somebody grow and develop? So... That's how I've learned to deal with my fear um, and my insecurities by challenging them and making sure that I'm equipped with the knowledge of myself and my worth and bringing that to the table. And also I think, you know, not, not comparing myself, but also a big thing for me was my definition of success. So one of my biggest challenges was comparison and also the numbers, right? How many followers, how many likes, how many people did this? How much money am I making? How much this, how much that? And that made me miserable. Mm. So I had to redefine success on my own terms. And I use Maya Angelou's definition of success where she says, success is liking who you are, liking what you do and liking how you do it. And that's the definition of success I use. So I no longer need to compare myself to anyone because success is about me. Success is about am I waking up every day loving the work that I am bringing to the world? That has nothing to do with anyone else.
0: When when I said that I'd have you on my podcast, um, a lot of people were saying, you know, I don't know how she does it. Like I don't know how she books gigs at these you know, international, international brands, you know, um, and also universities like Cambridge, what practical advice do you have for women who are trying to pitch themselves as speakers, as writers to these really intimidating companies and organizations?
1: Um, I would say, first of all, do your own thing. Don't wait for people to give you opportunities go out and get your own opportunities, create your own opportunities. So for example, you know, universities didn't just wake up one day and find me from the middle of nowhere and decide, oh, she's going to be a speaker. I created a lot of those opportunities myself by first focusing on myself and building my personal brand. So I did like my own events in Lagos, in London, in New York, I set up my own Confident and Killing events. I I created all the footage, um, took all the pictures, got all the feedback, all of those things. So when I created that, I was able to position myself as a speaker and as somebody who's creating a movement for women. So when I created that, I then had something to bounce off. So first of all, doing it on my own Mm. showed people what I was capable of. And give me kind of like a portfolio to then approach people with. So, if you want to work with brands and things like that, always start with organic content. Don't just expect somebody to send you an email with a 5K budget to create something or to speak somewhere. It doesn't work like that. You've got to start on your own and create that. And then they see it and they're like, ooh, this looks good. Let me get in touch with her. So, If you're listening to this right now and you have amazing ideas in your head, but you've never done a single thing about it, but yet you're beating yourself up because brands are not reaching out to you, how are they even going to know what you're capable of doing if you do not put yourself out there and show the world your gifts and your talents and what you're capable of doing? So don't wait for people to give you opportunities Use what you have in your hands. I didn't have a YouTube film crew. I didn't have anything. I just had my phone and I filmed a video of myself and I posted it on Instagram. And then one video led to another video, which led to another video. Then it led to an event in real life. Then it led to a whole university speaking tour. How did the university speaking tour happen? A girl who had come to my talk, she reached out to say, it would be great to have you at my uni. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do it. And once I booked one uni, I was like, hang on, how many other people do I know who are in uni right now, whom I want confident and killing it to come to their uni? So then I did a call out and I said, hey, I'm doing a, a speaking to our unis. If you want me to come to your unis, let me know. And that's how I booked all these other universities, LSE, Cambridge. And then as you start doing it, Mm. more unis get in touch, more opportunities get in touch, the more you put yourself out there because people now see what you're doing. They trust you. They form a connection with you and then they reach out to you. So... You have to get over that fear of, will I be judged? Will I not be good enough? And all of that. And you have to put yourself out there and show what you're capable of. And then the opportunities will start coming to you. And then also, you know, use what you have in your hands, but also build a community. That is so, so key. I'm about to work with some big, big, companies in the next couple of months. And they all all of these opportunities happen because women who follow me on Instagram who also work for these big companies put me forward. Wow. Now, if I had never posted that first Instagram video and never done my first event in real life, Confident and Killing It would not exist. And if Confident and Killing It did not exist, I would not be where I am today speaking at all of these big organizations. So start small, start with that little idea, start with that baby step because you never know where it's going to lead and build community. Don't do it by yourself, create a community because at the end of the day, it's people that work there. It's people that are in the Cambridges and, LSEs and all these other big companies and UN Women, they're all people behind these big organizations. So when you create community and you connect with people, that leads to way more opportunities than just seeing these things as big brands that you want to work with. No, there are people behind those things.
0: And my last question in this segment of the episode is, "What is the one thing you think every black girl should do daily to boost confidence
1: and self-love?" Hmm: I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer for that. Mm. Um, actually, I take that back. <laughs> there is one thing. <laughs> Which is gratitude: Yes. No matter w- where you are in life, because I was going to say like, you know, checking in with your body, but if you're somebody who's already super in touch with your intuition and, you know, your inner wisdom and resources, that's, you do not it's not something you necessarily have to do a lot, but gratitude, no matter where you are in life, whether life is good, whether life is bad, whether you're connected to your body, mind, or soul, or you're not, gratitude is the one thing I would say every single person needs to do and you know um you can either do three things that went well for you every single day write it down or you can do um i'm so happy and grateful now that Mm -hmm. and you complete that sentence um and i do that a lot i'm so happy and grateful now that and i will also often bring in opportunities in the future that i don't actually have right now But I'm so happy and grateful that they exist in the universe and that they are on their way to me. So yeah, definitely doing gratitude daily, I would recommend.
0: I love that. I'm definitely doing that today. Literally, the moment this is done, I'm whipping out my journal. Because I I feel like I need to remind myself that there are actually good things in my life because I catastrophize one thing happens and I'm literally just like throw my whole life in the bin. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm definitely going to start trying to do this every day, even if it's just I wake up and I just say it to myself.
1: Yeah, perspective is so key. And the beautiful thing about gratitude is that it always brings in a different perspective mm. because life is a roller coaster. Life is not a straight road. And a lot of the times we have these amazing images and visualizations and expectations of how our life is meant to be. And then something happens and everything is thrown off track. Now, when you feel like your life has been completely derailed, you have choices. You either cry about the life that could be or you take what you have and you keep going and you realize that it is a process and you will still get to the finish line that you want, but now you've taken a detour, mm. and gratitude really opens your mind to see the value that all of these challenging situations bring.
0: Oh, that's a beautiful way to end this. And for the mm-hmm. next part of the podcast, I like to do rapid fire questions because I feel like that just listeners get a different a different dimension, a more personal dimension. So I'm going to ask you 15 rapid fire questions Ooh. and let you just one or the other. Right. Okay. So the, the, the theme is self-love. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first one, self-help or feminist literature. Ooh. I know they're
1: hard. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is so unfair. <laughs> uh, uh... I would go with feminist literature because I feel like there is some like nuanced opening mind thinking in in feminist literature. It's like elevated self-help. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> journaling or long phone calls with friends?
1: Ooh, uh, journaling.
0: Oh. Never quit or quit with reason?
1: Oh, quit with reason.
0: Literally same. <laughs> candles or incense
1: oh candles for sure i'm obsessed with candles
0: yoga or running
1: oh running
0: meditation or journaling
1: Mm -hmm. i haven't quite got the hang of meditation yet so i would have to say journaling but i'm on my way i'm getting there
0: affirmations at the start of the day or at the end of the day
1: oh uh i would say all day (laughs) just random random moments in the day don't don't keep it to morning or evening do it throughout it's a lifestyle
0: piece of chocolate or glass of wine
1: oh come on (laughs) (laughs) impossible who created these rapid fire (laughs) questions (laughs) i'm joking um uh, no way those are like my two favorite things in the whole world ah okay i can't pick sorry (laughs) okay wine wine fine wine
0: digital detox or full day of rest in front of your tv
1: Mm, i don't really watch tv so digital detox
0: affirmations or feel good song
1: Mm, feel good song night owl or
0: early bird
1: i'm i'm a hybrid i think it depends usually okay my default is night owl but actually, when I want to, I can get up at six and be okay. I'm not one of those, like, oh, I can't talk to anyone until I drink my coffee type of people.
0: <laughs> power suit or strong red lip?
1: Oh, power suit, for sure.
0: Your breakup playlist Megan the Stallion or Beyonce? And I guess by Beyonce, I mean like her ballads, like the really
1: sad Beyonce songs. Uh, <gasps> also, uh, yeah, Beyonce, because uh, Queen B, all day, every day.
0: For me, it's like Megan the Stallion. When I'm heartbroken, I just want to be angry and like tell myself I'm the best.
1: <laughs> 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 I was like, how is heartbreak playlist? Okay, but I get if you're angry and you just want to like, oh, etch it up. Yeah, fair enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> white walls or color everywhere?
1: Oh, white walls.
0: Binge a series on Netflix or watch a six hour Nollywood epic?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, as much as I love Nollywood, I don't think I can watch six hours of it. So it would <laughs> have to be binge.
0: Right. And so final segment of the episodes, and that's the three texts that have shaped the way you think. And I say text because it doesn't have to be a book per se. It could be a poem, an article, anything.
1: Um, so Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer, that was a game changer for me because that is where I learned that I had the power, um, to program my mind for success and how, you know, my mind is a battlefield, but I can win. And that was a game changer for me. Um, also 15 Laws of Growth by John Maxwell. Um, because that's where I actually learned about growth being intentional, mm. and your life really being your responsibility. Because before, when I was younger, I just thought, "Oh, when I'm 25, I'll be grown, I'll be making money, life will be good." And you start adulting, and you're like, "Oh, this is out of my thoughts." Yeah. So he taught me to actually be intentional. This is where I learned about confidence actually being a practice. Like he does something every single day. So that was where I learned about how confidence is a practice. Growth is intentional. You put in what you get out. Um, And then I would say, oh, what's my last one? I feel like my last one is like a Beyoncé song.
0: Fair, that's that's a poem of sorts.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so actually, um, it's listen. So in Dreamgirls, when I, I'm not about to sing it right now. Oh, no, you
0: don't. Ha- I won't make you sing it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So she's like, listening to the song, Care in My Heart. And it's like, I'm on like a crossroad and I'm all alone and I don't know where to go. And that song, it just really, really speaks to me. Cause it's just like, at the end of the day, that's all we really want. Like we are, no one really knows what they're doing. We're all out forever on some sort of crossroad and we have to make decisions And it's really about connecting to your heart and your inner wisdom and not living in your mind all the time. So yeah, learn a lot from Queen Bee.
0: And I guess that's it. And I mean, what better way to end an episode than Beyonce? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes, I'm actually going to go listen to that song now. Yeah,
0: I feel like I might have a dream girls moment and just watch
1: the whole film in my bed. (laughs) that's that's a good way to end the evening
0: (laughs) thank you so much for being on this episode it was such an amazing conversation i literally have like post-it notes with with different things you've said stuck everywhere
1: (laughs) oh amazing that makes me so happy thank you
0: all right to find more information on confident and killing it go to their website confidentandkillingit.com Tiwa's podcast, Confident in Killing It, is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. To find Tiwa on social media, follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Tiwalola Lola. That's T-I-A-L-O-W-L-A. You can find me on Instagram where I'll be reading and reviewing books at Mayowa underscore reads. Thank you for listening.